One, two. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the launch of the Williams Team F1 Sponsor Portfolio for 2008. Please, will you give a warm welcome for Sir Jackie Stewart. Hello there. Uh, glad to see so many of you here today for this important change in the direction of F1, and in particular, the Williams Team. You may have heard recently that I was worried that the ongoing spying scandal in F1 between Ferrari and McLaren would scare many sponsors away. Well, that is true. However, it's also attracted a number of new sponsors to the sport, two of which have joined Williams F1 as partners. If I unveil the car now, you should be able to read their names written proudly on the engine cover and side pods of this season's Williams F1 Challenger. So, uh, so Jackie, who are these new partners? Well, Slater, Nazi and Ledger are a group of lawyers who specialise in representing clients accused of industrial espionage, and Micro.UK are a British technology firm, who are world leaders in developing bugs and gadgets used in spying. And now that I've told you that, I'm afraid I'll have to kill you. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm not Zog. I'm not Gareth Jones. I'm not... Oh, that's... that's tricky. Tricky. Well, yeah. I, I am Richard Porter, but do it, maybe yeah. I won't be later. I haven't decided. Hi, fellas. You have a good summer break? Pretty good, yeah. I had a, a fantastic summer break, yeah. Um, I went away on holiday, which was nice. Hired a little Fiat Panda 1.1. It's like a little donkey of a car. Just wouldn't stop great. it. Great. I loved it. Uh, and then uh, I came back. Oh, it's the Good Revival as well. Oh, which is, uh, that's good. It's fantastic. It. I've never been before. And it is amazing. And see all these old cars going around and being driven properly. And I bought a 50 quid three-piece suit from Camden Market and a hat. <laughs> and very and nice you looked in it too. Pretended, I showed you the pictures, didn't I? And I, I it was great fun. And uh, yeah, the racing. I mean, people properly going for it in these old cars. And the only sort of slight blot on it was um, Martin's Stretton, who people might know as, as a big noise in the, in the kind of old car racing world, had this massive off, mm. and it was really, really quite sickening. You felt this knot in your throat because he, he properly went off, and they weren't replaying it on the big screens or showing the, the, the site of the crash, and, mm. and um, they had to cut the car apart to get him out. But amazingly, he got out with just a broken elbow, which is incredible. But well, the worst thing was, I know, those, so, old, those old cars aren't quite as. Um, they, no, they're they not. It was apparently what happened was one part of the dashboard sort of bent round in one way. And the other part bent around the other way. He was just left in this little sort of triangle survival cell, but that was not by design. It was pure luck. And it was the steering wheel as it sort of bent round out, out was where it shouldn't have been that clipped his elbow and broke it. But um, the worst thing was I met Martin Stretton um, a while ago. I had to go and see him at his place in Shropshire because we were talking about borrowing some of his cars for filming. And I was on my way there with a colleague, and I was desperate for the loo. But we're in the countryside, and there was nowhere to go. And I said, I can't turn Except up. Except the countryside. Except the countryside. Well, here's the thing. So I said to my, my mate Jim, who I was in the car with, I can't turn up and go, hi, nice to meet you. I need to use your loo. It's just a bit rude. And I can't arrive and go, hi, and try and talk, because all I can think of is going to the loo. <laughs> so we stopped in a, in a gateway, and I relieved myself in a gateway. But, of course, there's no sink in a gateway, so I couldn't wash my hands. So then we turned up. And then I shook Martin Stratton by the hand, and I thought, oh, that's such a bad form. I've just it's okay, as long as you don't tell anybody 
And it just well, back to him, but no, but, but Jim knew because we were talking about it all the way there. I was going, oh god, okay, we're going to get here, and that's fine. Okay, so it was meet Martin. It's when I shook his hand and afterwards. I said, Jim. I said, Jim. I shook his hand, and I'd just been to the loo in a gateway, and all I could think of when we found out that he was all right, and I was like, oh, thank God, Martin Stratton's all right. What happened? How did he suddenly go off? And I thought, what if he just went? Hang on a minute, that tall bloke I saw earlier on. I've met him before, and he shook his hand and got wee on my hand. It's your fault, Richard. So it might be mine. I love the Goodwood revival. I went to a few years ago and had an absolutely wonderful wonderful time I, I took um, the kids with us Violet and I both went and our two kids and I took a load of uh, outfits for them to wear knickerbockers and flat hats and stuff it, you, I don't know if you know about the Goodwood Revival I would imagine if you're listening to Gareth Jones and Speed you do but it's kind of like a fancy dress show it's all <laughs> period cars and everyone turns up in period dress and if you're wearing period dress you can get into the paddock and mm. touch the Ferrari Lancia D50 like I did oh that was it Oh, that's why I loved it. But but um, I, I think I must have admitted to tell Violet about this. And we all got dressed in the hotel to go. And Violet came out and just fell about laughing. She'd never seen me wear a tie before. <laughs> Didn't realise there was such a thing as like a fancy dress car meeting. How, how she could not even imagine such a thing. It's so perfectly obvious <laughs> to the rest of us. I don't know. Anyway. I, I, I love that the Good Revival happens every year. But whenever it happens, I feel a particularly strong hang of regret that I no longer have my 1965 Volvo P1800 S, which would be just old enough to qualify for the old car paddock. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know, it was just a lovely car. Um, I, I really regret the fact that I don't have it anymore. Whenever the revival comes up, I just feel that pain a little bit. To have that car back. Because I, yeah. I, I met a bloke who was a bit miffed at the revival because he'd got a 1967 Volvo Amazon. Oh. And they wouldn't let him into the pre-66 parking area because <laughs> it was six months too young. Oh. I just want to read a, a mail I received today at 12.47pm from a listener who I'll just call Tim. Hello there, GJ. I had a strange and unnerving dream last night, writes Tim, and upon waking up, immediately thought of you. Ron Dennis had come to stay at my house and brought with him a large collection of Northern Soul records, which he wanted to describe to me in great detail. After cooking a delicious dinner, he then announced... He had to be off to the bowling alley. He even had his own striped bowling shoes in matching McLaren livery. Considering it was the eve of the World Motorsport Council hearing, he seemed very relaxed, not a bomber jacket in sight either. Please tell me what my dream means. Are you troubled by motorsport nightmares like Tim there? If so, can I suggest counselling, therapy or even a regular download of Gareth Jones on Speed. There's so much to talk about in F1 at the moment, it's hard to know where to start, but the thing that everyone is talking about, even outside of those people who are in, interested in, in motor racing, is this continuing espionage palaver, I think is the best word for it. Um, now when, Renault when, are getting... When will it end? I don't think it will. I think this is going to be a kind of war like we, you know, we've had in Northern Ireland, which goes on forever and ever and ever. You know, it, it becomes retributional, yeah. regardless of what the motivation was in the first place. Let's look on the bright side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they actually they'll, they'll, they'll ban the guys, uh, you know, the, the 
in the way that they banned the IRA from using their own voice on TV, do you think you know spokesmen from Ferrari or McLaren could be banned from using their own voice, and that Jean Todt's voice will have to be done by an actor or something <laughs> in future? It would make the post-race conferences quite interesting if that's what they were going to do with the drivers <laughs> as well. Which uh, I'm with Jackie Stewart on this as well. Did you hear him saying it's yeah. unfair the drivers are pulled into it? And I think he's he's right. Penalise the teams, take away championship points from them if you must but the, leave the drivers out of it since as as we jackie said they are just doing their job with the equipment that's given to them yeah, in case I you absolutely agree i mean it's um it's it, it's such a shame that uh, in the year when we've got the most exciting driver debut possibly in the history of the sport that uh, you know that it's kind of hang on what about UGE by, day yeah. I mean come on that was an exciting <laughs> oh moment. yeah but that was exceptional circumstances <laughs> you know you have to discount that yeah you know that it might be tainted by, by all this rubbish you know the other thing is I'm, I'm I'm just getting really really bored of this it's just it's just it's really dragging on it's dragging the sport down you know it's rather like the to me the you know what's happening in cycling Tour de France all that kind of scandal you know this is not good for the sport and I, I just suspect that, that people are making a bit too much of this. Yeah. Bottom line, I, I do not know what's going on, and I've kind of lost the will to really find out. Well, but here's I, the but thing. But I yeah. don't believe that McLaren, as an organisation, have done anything terribly wrong. No. Mm. Clearly, some individuals have done, you know, I'm sure, mm. I'm sure some individuals have done some dodgy things, and, you know, maybe the team's been a bit slack in keeping some on people. I don't know. But I just don't believe that McLaren have done anything horrible. But that is the thing that this controversy and how it's in the press and the wider world now has become bigger than the actual crime it's supposed to be investigating which I can't even remember what it was I think somebody stole a pencil from <laughs> someone yeah, else yeah. So it's ridiculous isn't it I mean it's, it's become so political and so complicated and dragged on for so long and and let's be honest we've said this before on the show that it's not like it's the first time that there's been a little bit of what you might generously call data exchange mm. under the table in F1 and um but now this has become this huge issue. Perhaps it's because well, this is a great F1 season. It's been, you know, it's been interesting. It stayed interesting, which is half the battle because often it doesn't. And and because of that, F1 is very popular and in the headlines anyway, and because of Hamilton. And so uh, the good is in the headlines, and then the bad has to follow. I don't know. It would be a real shame if good news is kind of you know dry, sucking the bad news along in its slipstream, if you like. Which brings me to aerodynamics in Formula One. Have you, have you, <laughs> see, it's true, it's true, guys. But um, this continuing development on the cars. I don't know if you watch it. I've been trying to watch the racing and the sporting side of it while you know, all this is going on. There are still some new ideas appearing in cars all the time. Have you seen that the Ferraris now have wheel covers on the front yeah. as well as the don't back? they look silly? They, they look, look awful. Really bad. Was it me or was it at Italy? They put a design on them to make them look more like sort of cross-spoky... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like they painted wheels, wheels on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which is even worse. Which, coincidentally, did you see that revised mini Enzo that Ferrari uh, developed they, 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 they said look this is what the Enzo is going to be like in 10 years time it was like three quarters of the size of the Enzo it, everything had been scaled down and it was a model it was a model but the painted on the wheels were painted on in exactly yeah, the same exactly, pattern as on the wheels yeah. of that Ferrari car so there may be a promotional well they do that like sometimes that. with design models which like that Ferrari road car thing was because they just to give you that sort of sense of, of, of scale yeah. not as bad as um, I was talking to a mate of mine who was at the Frankfurt Motor Show and uh, Honda have got this Accord concept there this week and apparently it's such a glass fibre mock-up that the exterior door handles are just bits of cardboard stuck to the outside and then painted <laughs> silver. <laughs> Where are we going with that? I saw you do quite literally I, as a mock-up. I, I, I tell you what this whole thing reminds me of though talking about it. There was a legendary uh, American stock car builder 
who uh, he, he came up with all kinds of little little workarounds, little ways of bending the rules. And one of his um, good innovations was in one season when the authorities couldn't quite figure out why his cars were going so quickly because you know they have to be. They're stock cars. Yeah. They've got to be pretty close to the road cars. Yeah. And every race they were scrutinising the cars, they were having a look. They, they, they just couldn't figure out why this car, that appeared to be almost identical to the original road car, you know, was so much quicker. Can I and offer up the was? answer? Yeah, I think, I think yeah. you must have told me this. Was it anything what? to do with the body shell being lowered into a vat of acid for a few short seconds <laughs> in order a, to strip off a, a, like 10% of the mass? That's a, that, that's a very good guess, but not quite good. Oh, he, he did that one as well. Yeah. <laughs> well that was plan A. Plan yeah. B, if I'm right, because I think you did tell me this before, was that the car was actually like seven-eighths scale. Exactly, yeah, that's it. Ah, yeah, just, that, that, it was that, smaller that, and therefore lighter than everyone else's, but... But with the same look, engine. The same, yeah, yeah. So, yeah no, I mean, absolute genius. So, so by the same token, do we think that the, the, the current Spiker Ferrari F8741, whatever the number it is, is probably a 1.5 scale model that's actually larger than all the others, <laughs> and they put it a bit further away, to, that's why it's so slow. I quite fancy putting a current engine in one of your little 143rd scale models over there and see <laughs> how quickly we could get that thing to work. <laughs> We're talking of scaling cars down. The Mark III Ford Cortina, they um, started exporting it from Dagenham to Japan, but Japan has car tax laws relating to the width, width. of a car. Yeah. Now, the Cortina was just a few millimetres too wide for the Japanese tax bracket they wanted it to fit into. So, the body shells for Japanese spec Cortinas were taken off the line after the body in white assembly weldy bit and clamped oh. <laughs> to within a millimetre of their lives. So, they just, just squidged them yes. down because it was, it was mills. It was literally just mills. So, it was just enough to just squeeze it because the tolerance is just, just down just a little bit and then they were legal. They could just have got a couple of big lads to lean against them. exactly well that's what they used to do I'll tell you what they used to do with the uh, Sunbeam Tiger you remember that Roadster yeah, thing yeah, in the V8 oh, yeah, 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 lovely yeah, yeah. And, um, Rob Newman's got one has he? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. is it hilarious? Or is it thought provoking <laughs> in your political? <laughs> he's Robert he, Newman, actually, though, isn't he? Does he feel rather guilty about it? Because I, I saw a stage show of his that was uh, all about the history of oil and mm, geo. Yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. Hang on, whoa. He's got a big sports car. He, I mean, you know. He had an Alpine. Oh, okay. He had an Alpine. Uh, and then he came to me a, uh, about 18 months, two years ago, for advice on how to run the first carbon neutral tour. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I was going to say, you know, in all seriousness, you know, you know, we're not going to have a go at him for being a hypocrite. No, no, not at all. He's aware of some issues, but he yeah. also likes cars. He yeah. likes his car. Like so, yeah, so Sorry. what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so some being, what was it? The Alpine was the four cylinder one. Yeah. And then there was no, the Tiger. Tiger, I meant. The yeah, Tiger yeah, yeah, was yeah. the V8. Yeah. And the V8 was from Ford. Was it? Oh, yes. Yeah. And here's the thing. I think this is right. Email in if I'm not right. It didn't really fit into the Alpine shell. What used to happen is when the cars that were going to become V8s, uh, they were diverted off the line and a burly man with a sledgehammer would step in and bang out of the way some of the metal that was going to block the <laughs> V8s. And when Chrysler bought the yeah. Roots Group and yeah. therefore Sunbeam, they said, well, you're going to have to use a Chrysler V8 now. And unfortunately, the burly man just couldn't bash enough metal out of the way, so it killed that car. Ah, listen. Uh, c- 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 high-tech British car industry. Yeah. You've got to love it. Well, I, not, you know, bashing sunbeams, right, or, or, or crunching Cortinas. You know, that's actually, you know, how they squeezed the Cortina for the Japanese market, like uh. you say. That, that's how they came up with the idea of selling it as the Ford Concertina. No! no. These are jokes, folks. 
I tell you what, talking about the British well, Motor Industry, I've been, I've been up to Longbridge this week. Um, this sounds like it's probably to a joke, and it's not at all. It's actually very sad. I went to Longbridge, and we were filming on the site of the old Westworks, one of the oldest parts of Herbert Austin's great empire. And it's not there anymore. It's just waste ground. And across the road, you can see the Northworks, again, another part of this huge factory, once the biggest car production line in Europe. Mm. That's rubble. They're scooping away the bricks. And there's just the new Westworks left behind where the old one was, which is the one they built for the metro in the early 80s or late 70s that and that is the, still standing the mini metro the mini metro yeah. couldn't call it the metro because metro yeah. camel the tube train yeah. people said you can't use our name yeah. and it's um, very easy to use a train I'm just geeking out like crazy here <laughs> it's great stop. carry on we uh, love it what yeah we no, so yeah. it's really sad so we were standing on this bit of waste ground where you know once the biggest car factory in Britain was and it's waste ground and it's rubble it was really really sad but the, the one building that's still left on the land that's now been sold the Chinese don't want anymore is the new Westworks, uh, which they built to construct the metro in and because it's a newer building they left it standing they're hoping to sell it to someone but uh, I was with a mate of mine that I work with and we're looking across all this desolation then we looked around at this new building just standing there sort of imperiously looking across devastation and my mate just went that other building must be crapping itself (laughs) (laughs) the decline of the building it was genuinely depressing it was really sad but there we go Ladies, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank you for coming to this FIA press conference. Now, we've asked you here today to hear details of a new and very stringent disciplinary measure that we'll be introducing to Formula One with immediate effect. It's an idea which we've adopted from the education system in Britain, and it's called, quite simply, the naughty seat. <laughs> Jeremy Slip, BBC Radio. Uh, can you can you explain a little more about this? Yes. Um, now, if a driver infringes the regulations or causes trouble within the sport, they'll be made to occupy the naughty seat. We believe this will act as a significant deterrent because the naughty seat will be uncomfortable, embarrassing and awkward. Uh, where will the naughty seat be located? It's basically in the second Spiker F87. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm going to bring this to a, uh, a halt fairly soon. Uh, but I want to talk about one other thing that's going on in F1 at the moment. Dear, dear old Spiker, or as I prefer to call the, you know, Jordan, still. All have its die hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Jordan. Yeah, and thank you. Once again, this once great team is changing hands in less than 12 months because they've run out of cash, basically. And it's the rather foolish but bold uh, idea that Spiker Cars could own an F1 team and bankroll it for... You know, a year or so, once again, has come a cropper. But they've got lots of money now, apparently, from India. Mm. Yeah, which is, and you know, in a way, this is uh, this is a very big story because uh, it just seems to me there's something quite significant in you know an Indian business magnate buying into mm. uh, F1 in this way because you know we know that uh, that Bernie is keen to take the sport um, to new markets. away from Europe, yeah, yeah, new markets, and so it's important for that reason. It's it's part of that process. There are two. Reasonably handy drivers from India who are rumoured to be considered at the moment. One is Narain Kartikeyan, an ex-Jordan driver who'd be coming home, who can be very quick. He's quite handy sometimes. Oh, yeah. 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 He, he Not reliable, in, but quick. Exactly. He put in a couple of moments uh, driving for the uh, A1 Team India team in the last season of, of A1, which made you think, crikey, he can do it, but he's a bit inconsistent. Would he be good enough for F1? <sighs> 
he was all right in Jordan, but you know, really. Mm. Uh, and the other one is dear Karen Shanduk, who uh, once again drove in the first season of A1GP very briefly who's done a bit of GP2 as well I think he's in GP2 at the moment and will certainly be in the GP2 Asia series I would think uh, but um, dear Karen Shanduk uh, is probably the most warm hearted um, Formula 1 driver or potential Formula 1 driver or certainly race driver you'll ever meet uh, you know he, he ferried me from a bar in Portugal back to a hotel some 20 miles away in Glasgow yeah <laughs> um, I, I went around driving people who couldn't get home he was just one of those generally generous people so Karen who's a lovely guy he's going he to be doomed in Formula 1 because you've got to be a goddamn piranha to survive <laughs> haven't you but it would be nice to have some more money in the spiker team and uh, have them back on what yeah, well, be you know, I, I think you know I think we wish them well you know we'd like to see them you know we'd like See it work out well, so um, yeah, let's hope it's let's hope it's a good move. I know you guys are going to go off and probably watch the uh, Belgian Grand Prix now. Uh, uh, so, guys, who's going to win the Belgian Grand Prix? Alonso, Massa, Kimi, Hamilton. I don't know. I can call it, but if I've got to put my money on someone, it's just impossible to say. But um, if I have to pick somebody, I'm picking Lewis. I'm going to say Lewis as well, just because I like him. And I'm putting a grand on Sakon Yamamoto. I mean, just for entertainment. I'll take that back. <laughs> say goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye. goodbye. Subscribe to this podcast for free at the iTunes Store. Email us at onspeed at garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made by Whiz Bang, allegedly. <laughs>